Hey, thanks for signing up. It's the Public Beta Podcast for Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed. Hello! <laughs> nice. <laughs> Where's that energy every show? Uh, we're having some uh, maybe technical difficulties today, but hopefully what you're hearing, dear listener, will make sense. Reed, this morning at 6 a.m., I went into my backyard with my dog to take a pee, as I do, is my custom. Uh, and uh, came back inside, checked the phone to realize it was negative 52 degrees. <laughs> I started my daily routine. Which is the same. Where I woke up, I took <laughs> freezing a shit, to death. I got out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, that is at, people, people are like, Canadians are like, oh, that's probably like negative 73 for Fahrenheit. No, negative like 42 is where Fahrenheit and Celsius actually become the same. It's where they meet. Uh, where it's just Mars. Like, what the yeah, fuck meet, even uh, is even is Fahrenheit. It's like trying to explain EVs and IVs to someone who's never played an RPG before. It's fucking stupid. Exactly. Good segue. But yeah. we're not... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, the, uh, yes, it's it's unbelievably cold outside. It's, it's fucking like It doesn't freezing. make sense. Uh, when you consider a 30-degree 30, 30 temperature swing like this, like imagine if it was zero degrees and it became 30 the next day, how crazy that would be. Well, we regularly go from negative twenty to negative fifty, like it's nothing, like it's fucking nothing. Yeah, but I feel Anyways. like, as like experienced Manitobans, I feel like once you get around to that like minus thirtieth wind chill, it all kind of just starts feeling like pretty fucking cold, and you can't really yeah. tell the difference. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like someone stabbing you with a sword versus stabbing you with a knife. You're all, you're in trouble either way. <laughs> don't uh, don't leave your skin exposed. Yeah, sure. Uh, Reed, congratulations on your Bloodborne Platinum trophy. Yeah, yeah, I got Bloodborne Platinum. Got all that shit using handy dandy exploit to get all three endings in a single playthrough. Well, rather specifically wow. two because I already had one. But all you have to do, Lee, is uh, disable cloud sa- automatic cloud saves for the game. Then you upload a yeah. save file right before you get to the ending, like to your cloud. And since it won't auto upload, sure. that will always be your cloud update for that game. Then does be- that game really make you play through it three times for three different trophies? Yeah. Otherwise, that's yeah. crazy. But it's like uh, it's not like it's an eight-hour game if you know what you're doing. Um, especially if you know what you're doing. And I I did everything in this playthrough, even though I didn't really have to, and it was only like 12 hours total, and that was including a lot of grinding and shit like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm super pumped. That's that's, uh, my fourth or fifth platinum. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Good for you, man. That's uh, I think people would say that would be a tough one to get it in, unless they're... Well, I mean, among the the pool of people... Yeah. yeah, the trophies themselves are not so difficult as much as it is, like, you just have to play the, you have to beat the game, which itself is difficult. But the trophies themselves are a lot just like, get all the weapons, get all of the, get all of that. Yeah, inherently difficult, I think yeah. you would call that. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo has a launch date. It's coming in March, March 25th, I believe, on the PS5. That marks the second, what you would call, AAA uh, release by Bethesda, exclusively on PlayStation 5 console. Uh, of course, this game will be on PC as well, I believe, day one. Um, Destiny 2 is getting ready for The Witch Queen. Yeah, absolutely nothing to do with Lord of the Rings. Uh, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, everybody's holding spears in this thumbnail I'm looking at. Uh, sure. Destiny 2, of course, in the news as well. Because Sony 
uh, just fucking bought Bungie uh, for $3.6 billion. <laughs> and they the were like, video game industry continues. You ever, yeah. Did you see that meme where Ricky from Trailer Park Boys normally goes, I'm going to pay you $100 to fuck off? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's this one where it's Sony saying, I'll pay you $3.2 billion to keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's that's CanCon. That's can the Canadian meme content there for the, yeah. for the show. Uh, of course, Microsoft uh, made headlines when they bought Activision Blizzard uh, for just under sixty nine, nice billion dollars, uh, and that's now being reviewed by the government probably. Uh, this all started Take Two Interactive, of course, bought Zynga for nearly thirteen billion dollars. Uh, so good for Bungie. Bungie's got a history. Uh, I mean, we go back to Oni on the PlayStation 2, Rockstar published game. <laughs> Bungie, of course, made Halo uh, and pretty much put Xbox on the map as as something. Uh, so that's that's pretty substantial. And now uh, they find themselves uh, independent. They find themselves part of Activision, coincidentally. They find themselves alone again. And now uh, I think there's a few steps in between, but now acquired by Sony. This is interesting because, of course, Activision Blizzard owns Crash Bandicoot. And uh, Microsoft now owns Crash Bandicoot, and now Sony owns the studio that created the Master Chief. It's uh, oh a bit my God. incestuous. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. But yeah, like you, I hope that Microsoft they, like, starts you... fucking Sony's ex-girlfriend, and in <laughs> in turn, <laughs> Sony's hope, like, oh yeah. I hope uh, I hope Bungie might like if they get the support that they're going to get from Sony with all this money, maybe they can branch out and do another game while still doing destiny since it's just needs. I think that's the idea. Yeah. Cause uh, be, all the messaging nice. around it is like Sony's going to let them uh, continue uh, kind of unabated on their own uh, independently doing what they're doing. But also Sony wants uh, a service game. They want Bungie. Uh... So apparently a big part of this buyout was just increasing people's salaries to keep them working at Bungie. Uh, like part of this, this has been going. This isn't reactionary to Activision Blizzard. This has been going on for months. Obviously, these talks, and I'm sure Bungie went over to Microsoft and shot themselves back to them, right? Uh, at some point, but we're like, no, we got Activision Blizzard now, and we already kicked you to the curb once. So, uh, apparently, like a, a third of this price was just to keep those people working at Bungie and keeping that studio what it is, uh, which is kind of interesting. So good for Bungie. Well, yeah, I remember yeah. when they initially uh, like did not choose to continue on with the Halo franchise is because they did not want to like conform and like uh, cr- give up their creativity. They wanted to go and do something different. So t- for them to sign on with another big company after Microsoft, I think they would have to you know get paid big time, which they did. So uh, yeah, you know. Oh yeah, hell yeah. So if if the yeah. deal is, well, the, it was. Uh... Keep making Destiny, and we'll also let you make something else. Then, like, sure, go for it. At, like, Activision kind of let them slip through their... Like, Activision's in a weird place, period, in the last ten years, let's say. They make less and less games. Uh, Call of Duty, as long as Call of Duty punches the card, and etc. Uh, but, like, Destiny was something that, it, realistically, all Activision needed to do was just be like, okay, keep doing your thing, and let us know if you need anything. Uh, and then, like, they got to the point where Destiny is self-sustaining. They they are independent. Bungie is able to be uh, worth $4 billion just, just based on the back of that basically one game, which is pretty substantial when you think about it. And good for them and good for Destiny. Destiny's a solid fucking game. And people who love it love the shit out of it. They've, they started a little rocky, but they got to that point where they were like, no, it is an MMO. And it's like, I absolutely agree. If you log into destiny these days, it feels like a fucking MMO with oh, yeah. e- like exceptional combat. Yep. 
Absolutely. And that's and that's it. And and fashion. We cannot we cannot forget oh, that Destiny course. is one of the better space fashion games. But uh, Electronic uh, Arts CEO. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no I was just going to say, but you get into territory where you want to use the good equipment instead of the fashionable equipment because Destiny is competitive. <laughs> It's all, it's all they do that now. They have the shader things, right? You can like make your weapons look like other weapons. Oh well, I guess I stand corrected. Fuck don't me. they? Am I crazy? I don't know. Yeah, I maybe. haven't played Destiny yeah. in a long time. Fucking Gordon Ramsay, fuck me, fucking oh, hell. Fuck. <laughs> uh, use the shader. Fuck me. Uh, Electronic Arts CEO doesn't commit to NFTs on latest investor call. This is the brand. the The idea of NFTs is is so damaging right now and such a meme that even Electronic Arts. Doesn't want to commit oh my uh, to a plan involving them. Yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's fucking. That's fucked up because they're all four children gambling on loot boxes. Um, Reed, it's time. Unless you have anything else to talk about from what you've played this previous week, we need to talk about the elephant in the room, the Arceus in the room, and talk about this Pokemon Legends game. Jesus no, Christ! I think we can go ahead and talk about uh, this video game. I think. Yeah, we're having a shorty today. Uh, so we only got another 20 minutes or so to, to begin the conversation on this game. And I don't think we can commit this game to a feature game just based on the structure of it. But let's talk about what it is. Sure. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus is a reimagining of the core RPG Pokemon formula, uh, taking a lot of the same DNA from the previous core RPGs uh, and blowing up the gameplay a tiny bit. Uh, it is still a turn-based RPG, however, now there are action elements uh, in terms of the overworld where you, as the player, can be attacked by Pokemon and knocked out. Of course, it's 2022, so the uh, reper repercussions of this are nothing more than a couple lost seconds as you respawn in camp, right? Um, you, Your Pokemon can all faint independently of your own player who has a chance to escape. Uh, the world is sent out. You have a hub city. And then you have different separate overworlds, uh, which is more akin to something like Monster Hunter World than it is to an open world game like Skyrim or Breath of the Wild, where the whole map is yours to explore as long as you can get there. Um, the game itself, running on the Nintendo Switch hardware, doesn't look very good. It's serviceable, and we're going to dig deeper into this all throughout this. This is just something that's going to keep coming up, that does this game look good or does this game look like absolute trash? Uh, and I think the answer is somewhere in between. Uh, you have, uh, you start with a starter Pokemon. There is a professor. You learn you're going to be working for this Survey Corps who is building the first Pokedex. You, the player, are from modern times, let's say, quote unquote, as your clothes are, are labeled. Uh, and you are sent back in time. You are sent in a dream. Who knows? It's a, it's a plot device. Arceus, the creator, progenitor Pokemon, has talked to you and said you need to go back in time and you need to make the first Pokedex and the advantage you have is you come from a time when Pokemon are either more accepted in society as we know them as fans of the Pokemon series or you're a person from not the Pokemon world who's been sent to the Pokemon world that's not clear and it's not important the point is your character has pre-existing knowledge and uh, familiarity with the Pokemon and you do a number of sub-quests, you do a number of main quests, the Pokemon are mad. Have you heard this one before? Read, the Pokemon are mad and glowing, we have to stop them. Oh my god. Uh, that's, that's, that's your plot. There's a ton of filler, uh, there's a ton of text to read, <laughs> and this is, this is the first time I will complain... I'll, I'll hand the floor to you in a second here. This is the first time I'll complain about a Pokemon game's sound design. For the most part, the music... 
uh, and the sound design, uh, aping on Breath of the Wild, but using the Pokemon sounds and stuff like that. It's all great. The Game Boy-ass Pokemon noises I have never had a problem with until now when I look at where is the money being spent on this game, and I can't see it. It's a massive game. It's fun. The gameplay loop is great, and it'll keep me playing this game for dozens of hours. So is the game good? Do you like Pokemon? Yes, the game is good. However, uh, no voice acting, no personality to these characters uh, where the story is already something you're pretty much just leafing through. Uh, the lack of production value in the the Pokemon noises and just what you can actually compress and fit in a game if you're willing to spend that money. Pokemon is the fourth biggest media franchise on the planet, and we're looking at this game where we're making excuses for the way it sounds and it looks. I don't think that's right. I think this game has been being worked on for a very long time, so I think this is something that they intend to improve upon, and in seeing this game sales, hopefully that money is being put back into making... I don't want to say a proper version of this game, but a more fully realized, uh, higher production value version of this game, where it's, this is, if this is your core Pokemon game going forward, it needs to look better. Just It needs to just be better in all possible ways. Otherwise, great game. We're going to dig into it in a sec. Reed, what do you think of Pokemon Legends Arceus? Um, so I think my overall opinion of the game is a bit more negative than yours, to be honest. I don't think this is a great game. Um, I, think it's, I think it's fine. But I don't think it's anything particularly special. Um, and there's there's a few reasons for this. And one of the big ones is, like you said before, the presentation of the entire game. It's not even so much the lack of voice acting, because I can kind of get around that. There is definitely a point where it's like, come on, it's fucking 2022. Like, put some goddamn thought into it. Even if it's Japanese voices with English text or something like that. Totally fine with that. But yeah, the presentation of the game. I think if you compare screenshots of this... Belonging to Pokemon, the biggest media franchise in the entire world, or sorry, most valuable media franchise in the entire world. Most valuable, okay? And sure. compare- I mean, it's the weirdest one. It's the only one that encompasses movies, anime, video games, merchandise. Like, it's the most widespread, arguably. Yeah. And you compare it to something like Breath of the Wild, which comes from a smaller franchise, from a game that came out five years ago. And it looks significantly better. And like you said, you have to ask, where's the money going? Like, Pokemon, of all people, can spare the extra cash it takes to really make a good game. And I understand because they don't have to because they keep making all this money. It's just such a shame from a fan's perspective, like you or me, who've been playing these games for fucking ever, that we've never gotten, like... All right, you know what? This is going to be the game where we where we toss all of our fucking chips in, and we're really going to blow people away, like Zelda did with Breath of the Wild, like Zelda did with Ocarina of Time, um, and stuff like that. So that's frustrating. Um, like even something like the city, it's like the city hub world that you go in. It's so boring and bare bones, even compared to prior Pokemon cities we found in handheld games. Um, like the Eiffel Tower city, I'm forgetting its name, and X and Y comes to mind as like like significantly more intricate and interesting than this uh, bare bones nothing city. Um, Especially considering it's the only city you get to look at. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like it's if you're going to only have one hub world to travel around and do all these things with and have all these shops, make them interesting at least. Um, like I, I'm trying to think of something to point to, but like uh, – Fuck, like Final Fantasy 12 on the PlayStation 2 also has a hub city, uh, kind of, 
for the most part, named Rabinaster, and it's incredibly interesting. It's not a super complex layout, but it has a couple layers to it. It has lots of NPCs to talk to. The locations all look different between, like, you know, a bazaar with, like, meats being sold to, like, weapon shops and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, in that regard, yeah. I'm absolutely disappointed by the presentation of the game. I think the animations for the actual Pokemon and their attacks look fine. Uh, it's very reminiscent of that, like, semi-cell-shaded style we saw in Breath of the Wild. Uh, so that's fine. I was definitely disappointed that this game's not, like fully open world because the big part of the appeal for me was like they were going to give me a sandbox to go out and like fully explore the game to my fullest and stuff like that um so being a little bit more restricted in regards to that especially like oh you, you have to have a certain rank in like your corpse thing to use certain pokemon at levels um it discourages um things i love in rpgs which is like if you put in the effort, you can do this ridiculous thing and break the game early, but only if you, like, you know, put in the effort and do all this stuff. Um, so, that's, so that's just it. The the game world functions like a Pokemon game world, it, but but in a... How do I put this? In, in Pokemon, the regular RPGs, they would never present you with a Pokemon that you wouldn't be able to beat. Uh, very seldomly... Like, the gym leaders would be that that stopgap. They're stopping you from going to the next town and fighting trainers that are too powerful. This is a game where, right from go, you can, like Final Fantasy, wander into that, that no-man's land and get murdered by a Snorlax um, before you even know what's going on. And that's really interesting to me because now it becomes a challenge. It becomes, can I catch this Snorlax? How do I exploit what's here in terms of it being an action RPG now that I couldn't when it was a turn-based RPG? There's no exploit to catch a Pokemon in the core RPGs other than reloading your game should you happen to faint the Pokemon, right? Yeah, I just um, wanted them to take that a step further because even if you did catch that Snorlax, uh, you wouldn't have enough corpse rank or something to make it listen to you yeah, in the first place. They're gating place. you. Yeah. Because yeah. you can trade as well. So yeah, I can just I trade you a level 60 yeah, Pokemon. And, and, and I understand yeah. it's a weird nitpick because a lot of people are going to be like, well, no, that's understandable. And it totally is. It's just for me, if if I put in the effort to catch that Snorlax and I actually do get it, let me use it. Fuck. Um, <laughs> oh, you can use it. He's just not going to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but besides that, Which, like the core... how does that work? Anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't tried it. But besides that, the core gameplay loop, like... I've never, and I've never made this secret, but, like, I've never played Pokemon for the collection aspect. That's not what I enjoy about Pokemon. I don't actively enjoy going out and trying to get every single thing. And this was what I feel like this game focuses on for two-thirds of the... Like, if the, if the majority of the game is crafting Pokemon uh, Pokedex entries and battling, two or three of those aren't battling, basically. They're all overworld stuff. And it's not enjoyable overworld stuff for the most part for me personally. Um, like, I don't want to have to catch 12 Bidoofs just to fill out that particular line. Um, I understand they alleviate this a bit by only having to get, like, 10 of those tasks done per Pokemon. But, like, to do it for every single one, it's just, it seems just like, like, I don't know. It's not the kind of grindy stuff that I particularly enjoy because it's I'm not getting anything out of it. Like I'm not getting like a super ultra powerful Pokemon. I'm not grinding through it or anything like that. Um, yeah. So the the thing with the collectibles uh, and the and like because that's set up like Monster Hunter. You're constantly collecting crafting materials uh, to make different things, be they Pokeballs, medicines, etc. So you're kind of constantly just going in that loop and just picking shit up and putting it in your bag. 
uh, and then catching the Pokemon um, becomes something that you can do very quickly as long as you're approaching the Pokemon from a certain angle or through the grass and whatnot. And you can just kind of fill up your box of Pokemon so when you get back you can dump your Pokemon, uh, like do a report, get your points, get your whatever. Um, you can quickly tap down on the D-pad yeah. to see what the different uh, things are for that Pokemon. Some quests involve you mastering that entry in the Pokedex, which, like you said, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to catch 12 Bidoofs. Um, the collection aspects are what this game's all about. So that's the thing that I like about Pokemon is catching a bunch of Pokemon. And this game, it feels better than ever to do that. Yeah, so, like... Uh, but in terms of battling, that's the last focus of this game. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is battling is what I mainly play Pokemon for. And I'm sure the game will get better in that regard as the game progresses forward. And once I have a full team and they're actually, you know, starting to do things. Um, so I, I'm thinking I'm going to like this game a lot more the more it goes on as opposed to the early game, which seems a bit grindy. Um, that being said, I would probably enjoy the catching and collection aspect a whole ton more if this game's control and UI layout fucking made sense. Because, like, (laughs) how this game controls and operates... That'll come in time as well. Yeah, it's so fucking bizarre. It's, like, you can't... You have to always switch between quick items and an actual Pokemon... Um, so you're constantly fumbling with that to make sure you have the right thing out. And there's so many times where like a Pokemon's chasing me and I accidentally throw a Pokeball at it instead of trying to throw my own Pokemon at it or something like that. I wish those were mapped to two different buttons personally. Um, the fact that you can only check requests and, uh, side quests through the map as opposed to just the main menu where saving and inventory and literally everything else is is like super bizarre to me i have no idea what their thought process was here um why they would restrict like something as essential as the quest menu to through the map it's it just doesn't make sense to me um and then yeah having to press like up to open that but you press start to open the main menu it's just i don't know it's a little bit a little bit strange to me and it's taken me a bit to get over those controls especially when they have established pokemon controls for the past fucking 20 years and those haven't really changed <laughs> well they need um, the face buttons now for shit so yeah yeah so it's just i think the ui could i think the controls could have been laid out far better personally um and yeah but like i don't know it's it is something completely different for pokemon so in that regard it's hard not to enjoy it for for a bit and i do have several hours in this so far and i'm gonna keep playing it it's just I, I'm not clamoring to get back to it yet. It's like the presentation's bringing it down, and it doesn't have uh, the kind of things I would want in this particular game. I was hoping more for of a you like you get to explore cool ruins, you get to explore like forests, or you get to explore like fucking. I mean, that under- kind of happens. Like, are you still in the first area, or are you in the second area now? I'm in the first area still. I think. Okay, so. Yeah, the second area is kind of like a deserty swamp, uh, but then it also has like little hill ranges that have like forests, and then there's like a ruins up there. Okay, um, that sounds. One better. of the there's two collectibles. Spoilers. Uh, one of them is like a little ghost orb uh, thing that you collect in the keystone. Uh, those float around. I don't know if you get a spirit tomb at the end or what's going to happen, but uh, there's like a bazillion of those in the world, so a little something to collect, like the Korok seeds. And then you also find uh, unknowns. You you actually they're like in certain places in the world, and they're just like stuck to walls and like stuck to pillars and stuff. And you catch them. And uh, unknowns are cool, right? Everybody likes unknowns. Uh, 
Yeah, the Pokemon animations are good. It's raining in the second area a lot. The The game isn't slowing down. Like, I was expecting the frame rate to just take a shit, but it's mostly keeping up. And there's weird stuff like your clothes look wet and the Pokemon look wet. And there's, like, strange effects like that where I'm like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? That How does that exist in this game when the fucking grass texture can't even stay in one place, like it's independent from the ground and looking like it's a fucking N64 game. Oh, God, yeah. there's yeah. all these weird little... There's weird specific details in, like, certain aspects of the game and then not in others. It's very inconsistent, I guess, is the, what we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the game play, uh, you, you have dual-stick control of your character in a, a fully 3D world. You can't jump. You can crouch. You can dodge roll. Uh, you can beam Pokeballs off a of Pokemon's head. Uh, and, man, that leads to some funny moments. Uh, like, you're just... There'll be... Uh, what was I catching? Had to have been a Bodoo or something. I'm just, like, towering over it, even though I'm a, a little boy in this game. I'm towering over this thing, and I'm just hitting it in the face with balls. And it's, it has the tenacity to pop out of the first one. So I fucking beam it with a second as it turns its back <laughs> to run away. And when you hit them from behind, there's, like, an extra vibration effect. We're like, oh, no, you got them. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's the fun, finding new Pokemon. And the game does, uh, the grind alleviates later because there's so much shit coming at you that you don't have to grind to increase your rank. It's just going to start naturally happening for you. And uh, you get to you get mounts, basically, to ride around that do different things. And when you're on those mounts, you're not going to engage with every Pokemon by catching or battling it. You're probably just going to whiz right by it. Um, it's, so to that, to that extent, the game does pick up in terms of, like, speed uh, later. And, and managing your party and getting new Pokemon at a, at a more increased rate where you look on the map and you're like, oh, can I go to that area yet? There's some areas where it's clear that you need some way to traverse water or the sky. Uh, and when you can't yet, you can still find little ways, little paths that take you to these different areas. And you are always rewarded when you do that with finding a species of Pokemon you haven't before. Uh, like yesterday where I'm like, there's this little square that's an area to itself. I haven't been there yet. I bet if I go there, I'm going to find something. And lo and behold, fucking Togepi's everywhere. Um... So it's it's cool for that. I like that exploration. I like just packing a backpack full of fucking garbage uh, and filling <laughs> my, my box full of Pokemon and then just looking at them later and being like, look at all these fucking losers that I caught. Let's get rid of all of these. Uh, and then, you know, seeing that big, powerful Pokemon with the red glowing eyes, which are sometimes very freaky, uh, depending on the species, and, uh, and being like, no, I got multiple Pokemon in my party that have an advantage over this. In the battle now, there is an Agile style and a Strong style. If you have a naturally fast Pokemon, you can lead with an Agile style move and usually get a follow-up move right after, so it's got free move, which is kind of cool. I like that. Uh, and then you always can roll the dice and just be like, I'm going Strong style, which is going to bump me into getting hit probably twice in a row, but do I have enough power to to finish him off? And it actually shows you on the screen uh, how it augments the move, which is actually really cool and something I never expected them to do, which is like, oh, if I do strong style, it now has 20 more power. I can see that happen. Uh, and those moves look good. Uh, so I, I like the feel of the game. I like the loop of the game. The story, the like the oh, narrative of this game. It's and again, garbage. The, the, <laughs> Yeah, the, the the settings and the characters and all that stuff is all so weak, uh, but I'm willing to overlook it for... It's just it's missing that personality that Breath of the Wild has. This game doesn't have that. It doesn't have that yeah. je ne sais quoi. And especially it's because, trying. Especially because uh, Breath of the Wild is, like, it's very... Uh, it, like, it's... They're not wasted fucking words in that game. Like, they're like, Link, wake up. Link wakes up. They're like, here's the fucking world. Go, go to this place. And then you do, and then they're like, okay... Stop the guy, and you're like, okay, 
they understand that in Breath of the Wild, you just want to fucking go explore and have fun, peaceful times in the pretty kingdom, right? So they should yeah. have the fucking self-awareness that in your semi-open world Pokemon game, we just want to go out there and catch Pokemon, but you gotta sit here and tell me for 20 minutes about how you're a fucking dumb piece of shit clan who likes to feed deer or something. <laughs> fuck, fuck off. It's, uh, yeah. And that's, but that's the problem. So, w- when I play this game, I'm like, okay, so Game Freak, fundamentally, now, this has been a number of games. I'll say Ultra Moon, Ultra Sun was the last okay writing where I didn't mind actually seeing story bits. Since then, man, it's been so weak. And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, they need, like, my my best case scenario, would you bring in an outsider at this point? We were talking the other day about, hey, remember when fucking Capcom did a bunch of Nintendo games? Like, they put their fucking Resident Evil team and made Zelda games, and they were phenomenal because it was an outside source that, like, when you bring someone in to write a Batman comic, it's like everybody has their one good Batman story they can tell. Yeah, let's um, uh, bring in Hideo think- Kojima. Yeah, Hideo Kojima to make a Pokemon game. You're you're carrying a bunch of Pokemon on your back. It's for the post-apocalypse. And that's the other thing. Let's talk about the setting just to close it out for today. Is we're in a... We're in a certain time. Let's say 100 years, 200 years before the events of Diamond and Pearl, let's say. Sure. Reasonably. Exactly. You can't tell me. The technology is all over the fucking map. The architecture is, like, people are like, oh, it's feudal Japanese. I'm like, it is fucking not feudal Japanese, other than the fact that people are wearing fucking kimonos, and there's the odd gate that looks like it's yeah, straight no, out of the place of Tsushima. Pokeball uh, technology. When you start the game, they're like, here's some Pokeballs, motherfucker. And you're like, okay. Uh, they have electricity. The professor's got some kind of a crazy time machine in his room. So there's like, what, like, what is it? Like, yeah. what is it <laughs> the like, Victorian era technology? So it's like 100 years ago? Yeah, like, and that's super poorly defined, but once again, I don't think Game Freak gives a fuck. They're just like, make it kind of old, but we'll put technology when we need it, because we need it. <laughs> like, the game just needs Pokeballs, it, Lee, and it needs the time machine. We talked so. about we talked about this game and what it means for the retconning of Pokemon lore, too, because now we've established that Nary 100 years ago, in the lifetime of a Vince McMahon's mother, so to speak, uh, Pokemon were terrifying, and no one battled them or kept them near near them. And Jubilife City, that we play the game in, is one of the first places where people and Pokemon came together and started working together. And then, lo and behold, you are a time traveler that basically is the person that gives everybody in town Pokemon. And is like, hey, maybe you live with a beaver now. Hey, maybe this Zubat lives with you now. And that's how it started. Uh, is ridiculous. And then it raises a bunch of questions for, for then the next hundred years of Pokemon where we get to Pokemon Red and Blue or Pokemon in the Johto region where they're also talking about events that took place decades ago. And you're like, Lee, well, I'm now gonna, the time... now the, now. the I'm going to go on yes, limb go and say they're not going to touch on any sort of creation myth at all here. I don't want them to because it's... Now we've already splintered the Pokemon timeline in like a Zelda-esque way where we're no like, well, certainly every Pokemon, Pokemon universe timeline. can't be the same. <laughs> no, one, no, one cares, no one cares about the Pokemon timeline, not even close compared to something like Zelda. No, no, but at least it, we didn't have to think about it before. It just seemed like every... Well, what it was was, I think the actual canon is, every core Pokemon game takes place a certain amount of years after the last, regardless of what region it's taking place in. Um... So now we've we've set the clock back. Now we've gone, let's say, reasonably 70 years or more before Pokemon Red and Blue take place. I don't know, man. 
we we got to go back to our Pokemon compilation co- conversation and see see what we figured out there. But yeah, this game, this is a weird game. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah it's seven <laughs> hours. Of, it's uh, you can play Pokemon Legends Arceus and hear me and Reed talk about Pokemon for seven hours here on the Public Beta Podcast. Reed, thank you for joining me today. Of course, we have more. We'll have more to talk about with Pokemon. If you break through a little further and get to the next couple areas, I think you'll find the loop a little better. Obviously, the battling, I haven't seen a pickup of that. You do a few few more battles with a few different people, but it's not to the extent of the games. They usually have one or two other Pokemon when you're walking around with a fucking loaded gun of six, six Pokemon that are way over-leveled to them usually. So what can you do? At Iceberg Podcast is us on the social media. Uh, Lee at TitsyIceberg.com is my email address. You can send us questions, topics. If it's interesting, we'll include it in the show. Short episode for today. Everybody stay warm and have a good one uh, heading into Valentine's Day here and more Pokemon talk next week. For myself, Lee, and for Reed, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.